Hey church, welcome to another episode of DCC Daily. My name is Sofia Fernandez and I get the pleasure of serving as the worship leader here at Downtown Community Church. Today I'm going to be talking about the common recurring issue of judgment in the church. Something I've heard a lot from a diverse range of people is that Christians are judgmental, that judgment by Christians is the reason for their disbelief, the reason for marginalized groups, and the reason that so many people have turned away from Christ. Of course, when I hear this, my Enneagram 8 type self is usually immediately defensive. We're not all like that, I argue. That's the opposite of what we believe. And although that may be true, a read through Romans 2 opens our eyes to the prevalence of judgment even in the early church, and that same prevalence exists today. And although that may be true, a read through Romans 2 opens our eyes to the prevalence of judgment even in the early church, and that same prevalence still exists today. It highlights the ease in which we judge and also equips us to fight against it. Romans 2, 1 through 13 says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render each one according to his works, to those who by patience, in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Here, Paul is the one saying, yo, Jesus followers, we are judgmental people. I remember reading this chapter recently and feeling so convicted about how poorly we keep these teachings. We've been given these warnings about being judgmental people, the consequences of it, and how to avoid it, and yet judgmental and hypocritical are the adjectives most commonly used to describe Christians. The fact that people identify us in this way reveals a place where we as a church body are greatly falling short. We need to do better. Luckily, in this passage, Paul gives us the tools too. The judgment Paul is talking about in this passage is not one of accountability, but one of accusation and condemnation. This is a sneaky sin because many of us do it without even knowing. The judgment of accusation and condemnation, the sinful judgment, is the one I will be focusing on for the rest of our time. Now before we get into how we judge, I want to talk a little bit about why we judge. 
Verse 11 tells us that God shows no partiality. So God shows no partiality, but we as human beings, specifically Christians, are very partial. We tend to view things from a very dualistic lens. There is a right and there is a wrong, which leads to a greater tendency to look at others and say, you're doing wrong without addressing our own wrongs. If I believe something, any other belief is automatically opposing. We're drawn to choose sides. Another form of judgment can come from a place of looking for value and significance. If we're not secure in our own identity as a fully loved, valued, and intentionally created person, we often condemn another person to make ourselves look or feel better. And this can also be so subtle. Most of the time, I think we don't even realize we're being judgmental. We think we're standing up for what we think is right or what we believe in, when in reality, we're just being partial. Verses 12 through 29 give us examples of what that sinful judgment looks like. We become hearers of the law, but not doers of the law, like it says in verse 13. We become hypocrites, verses 19 through 23. It can even happen in less obvious ways than in those verses where we accept the gift of grace and righteousness from the Lord and forget Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When we forget this, we receive righteousness and look down on the unrighteous, as if we're above them. Falling victim to what Jesus warns us about in Matthew 7, 5. We look at the speck in somebody else's eye without looking at the log in our own. We experience comparison and duality. And it manifests itself in this idea that if I'm righteous and you're different from me, then you must be unrighteous, which is so far from the truth. Like I said before, the ways we sinfully judge can be so subtle that we don't even realize it's happening. So how do we know if we're judging out of accusation and condemnation or judging out of accountability? The answer lies in verse four. God's grace and loving kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. When it doesn't, it turns into judgment. Paul is asking, do you not know that God's love was sent to you, not to make an excuse for your sins, not so that you could tell everybody how to live their lives, but to lead you to repentance? The truth is, I think many of us don't know, or at least we don't often show that we do. How often does the gift of God's grace and kindness lead us to repentance? I think that our answer to this question may reveal to us how prevalent judgment is in our lives. So how do we respond? Recently, my good friend Monica brought up a question that is fitting for responding to this issue. How do we respond to our sin? This question is extremely important for two reasons. One, as Christians, we all have to ask ourselves this question often because we all sin often. And number two, if we don't answer this question biblically, it can serve as a false witness to others about who God is. And I think we've been experiencing the consequences of number two for a really long time. We've become teachers who don't teach ourselves. We preach against stealing, but we steal. We say that one must not commit adultery and then commit adultery. We condemn others for idolatry while worshiping money, power, and security. We are so quick to police others with God's law, but so slow to uphold it ourselves. So how do we respond? The only way to respond to sin is repentance. 
Not only is repentance the weapon against the temptations of judgment, it's the weapon against all sin. Sin that we have committed and sin that we could commit in the future. Mary Wiley defines repentance as a hard turn away from all that doesn't please God or point our lives to him. It involves confession of our sins, but also seeking to remove it completely from our lives. We're asking God to forgive us. Repentance humbles us and requires us to surrender ourselves to the Lord, realigning our hearts with his, leaving no room for judgment. If repentance is something that's not a part of your daily walk with the Lord, I implore you to look into the word about what that looks like. I would love to go into it now, but unfortunately, that's a different podcast for a different day. Responding to our sin with repentance is the only way that we will be able to keep ourselves from showing judgment through partiality to others. Responding to God's grace and kindness with repentance will be what keeps us from putting ourselves above others. I say all this not to judge or condemn you. I say this as someone who's just like you, who struggles with sin every day, who struggles with judgment. I'm still tempted to judge, but practicing these things and responding with repentance as much as I can helps me to do it much less. It helps me love people so much more, especially people who are different or think differently than me. I say this to encourage you to not only be hearers of the law, but doers of the law, like it says in Romans 2.13. To be doers not because our actions or works justify us, but because we have been saved by grace through faith. And that faith drives us to love others the way that God so graciously and impartially loves us. Thank you for listening to this episode of DCC Daily. Keep up with our church via our social media pages, our YouTube channel, and on music streaming platforms to listen to our original worship music. Shameless plug. Let's go be the church.